And this morning, I have a message for you that I actually started two years ago. And it's interesting because I started this sermon two years ago. I didn't finish it. Um, but I knew when I started writing it that I would probably preach it here. And even in between, I filled in once or twice, but it wasn't the time. So God's timing. I, I hear you and I agree. I woke up. Uh, my son went to work at like 5 in the morning. Uh, he works at McDonald's in Batavia. And he woke, I heard him leave this morning and I slept restlessly after that. But I stayed in bed and I laid there. And when I wasn't sleeping, I know that I was praying in the Spirit. So this morning... This message is for somebody. And I believe that God, again, has given me this word to bring forth to you this morning. Now, the one thing that's kind of missing today is I normally have my wife sing. And she's been battling a bad sore throat and then congestion. And unfortunately, she's not going to sing today. Uh, but one of the cool things is that since we were last here, um, she did have her CD put out. So if you're interested in one of these, they're eight bucks, and you can see her after the service. All right? So didn't come to sell or whatever, but some of you have heard her sing, and I'll let her, you know, share that with you afterwards. So there you go, Becky. <laughs> All right. This morning I want to preach to you on this subject matter, White Stones. If you went through the 60s and 70s, talking about stones might mean something else. <laughs> Rolling stones, maybe? Uh, what were you thinking? <laughs> I left that one wide open. Um, to the Apostle Paul, it meant something totally different. And in the scriptures, uh, I'm going to look at, we're going to go to Revelation chapter 2 is where we will start. It talks about a white stone. And it's interesting as I studied this because the commentators have different things that it could mean. So there's a little bit of subject to interpretation, but some of the stuff that I will share with you today, I, I know are scriptural, and um, I believe, again, that it, it's for somebody this morning. So if you have your Bibles, turn with me to the book of Revelation, uh, chapter 2, and I want to start with uh, verse number 12. <clears throat> All right. And, and to the angel of the church in Pergamos, write, These things says he who has the sharp two-edged sword. I know your works and where you dwell, where Satan's throne is. And you hold fast to my name and did not deny my faith even the day, in the days in which Antipas was my faithful martyr, who was killed among you where Satan dwells. But I have a few things against you because you have... Uh, there are those who hold the doctrine of Balaam, who, who taught Balak to put a stumbling block before the children of Israel, to eat things sacrificed to idols, and to commit sexual immorality. Thus you also have those who hold the doctrine of the Nicolaitans, which thing I hate. Repent, or else I will come to you quickly and will fight against them with the sword of my mouth. And he who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches." To him who overcomes, I will give some of the hidden manna to eat, and I will give him a white stone, and on the stone a new name written, which no one knows except him who receives it. And that's our key verse for this morning, that very last verse there. To him who overcomes, I will give some of the hidden manna to eat, and I will give him a white stone, and on the stone a new name which no one knows except him who receives it. Heavenly Father, I pray this morning, again, as I have been praying already, for the anointing of your Holy Spirit. Lord, I would pray that you would use me as simply your vessel. 
But Lord, the things that you want to convey today, the things that you want to speak to your children, I pray that that is what would be said and that is what would be heard. So Holy Spirit, open our ears to your word. And Lord, Holy Spirit, use me, use my tongue to bring forth your word. And I thank you for it in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. If you've heard me speak before, you know about 99.9% of the time, I start with a joke. So, there were three blondes. Sorry if you're blonde. (laughs) They died in a car crash trying to jump the Grand Canyon. And they were all standing at the pearly gates, and you know that part, St. Peter's at the pearly gates, right? So, uh, St. Peter tells them that they can enter the gates only if they can answer one simple religious question. And the question posed by St. Peter is, what is Easter? It doesn't sound too difficult. So the first blonde replies, oh, that's easy. She says, that's the holiday in November where everyone gets together. They eat turkey and are thankful. Wrong, St. Peter says. You are not welcome here, so you must go to that other place. So he turns to the second blonde, and he asks her the same question. What is Easter? And the second blonde replies, well, Easter is the holiday in December when we put up a nice tree. We exchange presents and celebrate the birth of Jesus. Oh, St. Peter looks at the second blonde. He just shakes his head. And he says, no, that's not it. You're not welcome here in heaven either. So I don't know why St. Peter's wearing glasses, but it says he was wearing his glasses. He peered over top of his glasses at the third blonde. I don't think you need glasses in heaven, Mike, do we? I'm hoping not. <laughs> it's good to have my friend Mike here. I've known Mike a long, long time. So, Amen. Amen. So um, he peers over his glasses at the third blonde and he says, Do you know what Easter is? And the third blonde smiles and uh, she confidently uh, looks St. Peter in the eye and she says, Oh, I know what Easter is. Oh, says St. Peter. Well, yes, Easter is the Christian holiday that coincides with the Jewish celebration of Passover. Jesus and his disciples were eating at the Last Supper, and Jesus was later deceived and turned over to the Romans by one of his own disciples. The Romans took him to be crucified. He was stabbed in his side. He was made to wear a crown of thorns, and he was hung on a cross with nails through his hands and through his feet. He was buried in a nearby cave, which was sealed off by a large boulder, and St. Peter smiled broadly and with delight. And the third blood continued. Every year the boulder is rolled aside, uh, moved aside so that Jesus can come out. And if he sees a shadow, there will be six more weeks of winter. Oh, boy. You know what? I'm glad that we don't have to answer that type of question to get into heaven. I think there's only one question that might even be posed. And it, how do you get into heaven? It's because of the blood of Jesus Christ. I ask Jesus to forgive me of my sins and come into my heart. That's what it amounts to. It's not going to be, well, you know, I did all of these things. I was able to speak in front of churches. I was able to go to the prison. And not that we shouldn't do those things. I think those are a result of what we do. But we are not saved by any of the works that we can do. We are saved simply by the blood of Jesus Christ. That's it. So if you were asked by St. Peter on that day, that's the words that you want to be able to say. I'm here because of what Jesus did on the cross for my sins. Bottom line, that's it. I'm not good enough on my own. I still make mistakes, okay, just like all of you. But it's up to what Jesus has done for us. 
There are three things that I'd like to share with you this morning that I do believe tie in with this white stone. And I, the first one is that there's no guilt. The second one is that we have a new name. And the third one is that we are now overcomers. The first one is that there is no guilt. We have no guilt because we know Jesus Christ. The white stone uh, had a new name that was written on it. I've left this one blank. You can write your own name on this stone or think about your name being on this white stone. But the white stone, one of the things that a white stone was used for throughout Old Testament, New Testament days was uh, an absolution from guilt. If they were to go to court, there was a white stone, there was a black stone. If you received the black stone, you were guilty. But it's interesting that here Jesus said, we're going to have a white stone. Because there's no guilt. There's, uh, you're not guilty of what you have done in the past when you've asked Jesus Christ to forgive you of your sins. We have all sinned and come short of the glory of God, the scripture tells us. That's every one of us. Amen. Okay? We have all sinned. Uh, Jeremiah said, the heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? How can we fix this heart on our own? We can't. We can't fix it on our own. 1 Corinthians 6 starts to read this way. Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Well, it's kind of bad news. We all have sinned. Whether we have done things or, in a lot of cases... Uh, we live with a sense of guilt. You think about the white stone, the black stone, the black stone being given to somebody who's found guilty. We can often live with a sense of guilt for either things that we've done or, God forbid, but things that have been done to us. I know people who have been, um, had things done by a, 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 a father or a relative or whatever, and they live with a sense of guilt and shame from things that were placed upon them, but it's not something that they have done themselves. But they still live with that. And Jesus has come that he might wash that guilt away, and he might be able to give you that white stone. And so he doesn't want us to live with the guilt of the past and the sin of life and things that would burden us down. So again, 1 Corinthians 6, Do you not know that the unrighteous will inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor sodomites, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you. Past tense. Such were some of you. Guys, I, I get... I'm going to bring up one of my pet peeves, if you will. I don't like to always talk about pet peeves, but every day I get on the uh, Internet now, uh, you, there's something about um, homosexuality. They just passed the big thing in America. Now all states have to um, you know, accept homosexual marriages. But you know, that's the big headline now, and I get tired of seeing that. But really in the church... That's not the big issue for us. If I went back over that list again, probably the bigger issue in the church is some of the other things. And such were some of you. Some of you were caught in some of these things. Actually, all of us were caught in some of these things before we knew Christ. But such were some of you. But you were washed. You were sanctified. You were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. So the things that you were, all of those things can be washed and put behind us so that we can move forward with Jesus Christ. That's what he's come to do in our lives. 
Not that we have to live with that sense of guilt and shame anymore. He wants to take you beyond that. In Psalm 103, 12, it says, As far as the east is from the west, so far has you removed our transgressions from us. In the east and the west, you know, in my little mind, I think east coast, west coast. In God's infinite mind, space never ends. East and west, I mean, they, they, they're so far apart that I can't even begin to understand that myself. But as far as the east is from the west, he has removed those things from us. God chooses to remember them no more. Boy, that's good news for us. In Isaiah 118, he says that our sins have been washed away. Come now and let us settle the matter. Let's take care of this thing. Settle the matter. Though your sins were like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. I don't like to mention snow, especially in June when it's cold out. But picture that bright, bright white snow. We were filthy, and now we're as bright as the white snow. And that's what brings good news to all of us this morning. Though they are red as crimson, they shall be like wool. And so we can be free from accusations in our lives. When a person was pressed with charges and they had to go to court and they went to trial, they were sometimes entitled to be bailed out of jail by a family member. That person would buy a white stone from the court and would give it to the person that had been on trial as a special token. The white stone had to be given to the accuser. As the, stone was received, as the stone was received, the case was closed, and there would be no more legal right to go back to court because of the same charges. It's a done deal. It's taken care of. And that's what Jesus has done for us. It's a done deal. It's taken care of. Now, sometimes in our own uh, little minds, we remember some of those things. We don't totally forget them. But Jesus and God has totally chosen to forget those things. He remembers them no more. Now, we have the accuser of the brethren. And he oftentimes is at fault. Sometimes it's ourselves. We, we remember those things. We bring those things up in our memories. But sometimes it's the accuser of the brethren. It's the enemy, the devil, who brings these things up. So whenever the devil comes to remind you of your past... I like what uh, Carmen, the musician, said a number of years ago. You remind him of his future. You cannot be accused again since the bail was paid for by his son. So when Satan comes as the accuser, I believe that God the Father says, all I see is the blood of my son. That person's washed in the blood of the lamb. God has given us a new heart. Ezekiel chapter 36 says, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit inside of you. I will, re- I will remove from you your heart of stone and will give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. He's given you a new heart, guys. Boy, that's what we need sometimes. I have a friend, his name is, is Marty. Marty goes to Arizona about every February or so. He goes, that's a good place to go in February, amen? Yeah. <laughs> so he, he, he was telling a story uh, to my wife and I the other day, and he says when he goes to Arizona, he says every time he goes there, he says it's usually kind of brown, and lot, there's a lot of red rock, and in some ways it's pretty, but he said one year he went, and it was green. It was lush. And he's looking around, and he just couldn't believe what had happened, the difference this one year. And he asked the person who was driving him, what was going on? And he said, oh, it's rained a lot this year. 
And he's thinking to himself, just because there's rain, he says, you know, why would all of a sudden everything be lush? He said, did somebody come along and like sprinkle seed here and there and everywhere? And, you know, and that's what grew. And, and uh, he says, no, he says, nobody sprinkled the seed. He says, the seed was already in the ground. Now, I want you to think about this for a second. You say, where, where is he? My wife's looking at me like, where's he going with this one? <laughs> you see, we have a new heart. But we still have that sin nature sometimes. And we've got to continue to crucify that sin nature that's inside of us. Because otherwise, those seeds that have been dead, that sin nature that's been dead, been crucified under Christ, it can rise up. Oh, you never got mad again after you were a Christian? You never said something again after you were a Christian? I'm the only one? Okay, I didn't think so. See, sometimes those things want to rise up, and that's that old seed. Okay, the seeds can still be there and they can be dormant. They can be dormant a long time. But all of a sudden, something will trigger that. To the alcoholic, maybe they want to minister, and they can minister to other alcoholics, but maybe they have to be careful where they minister to. Not every former alcoholic could go back to a bar to minister, but I believe that they could still minister to alcoholics. They might have to do it in a different setting. But there are some alcoholics that can go to the bar and to minister too. You have to recognize what's going on with the seed, how dead that seed is, if it's completely gone. Some of the guilt and the shame from your past needs to be crucified. And I liken it this way. I try to think of things that I can understand. Is the sting still there when you remember what somebody did to you? Is the sting still there? Well, if there's truly forgiveness, you remember maybe what happened, but you can forgive the person. See, that's when it becomes crucified under Christ. Amen. That's part of that new heart that God has given us. He wants to change and transform our hearts. So how do we do that? Well, we have to recognize where it comes from, where the washing comes from, where the cleansing comes from, and that's only through Jesus Christ. It's not on, well, I'm, I'm going to take care of this myself. No, you can't take care of it yourself. That's the problem that we have. I can't do it on my own. It's through Jesus Christ that I'm able to put these things under me. It's through the blood of Jesus Christ. And then I have to do things. The scripture talks about taking captive our minds, thinking on these thoughts. And I have to put those things in there that will help me to overcome those things. Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against you. I have to think on the Word. I have to meditate on the Word. I have to uh, speak the Word in my life so that I can overcome those things in my life. You don't have to accept the battle from the enemy. It's going to be there at times. The temptations will be there at times. I get that part. It's part of our humanness is the battle. But if I'm going to win the battle, I'm going to be an overcomer because of the, the blood of the Lamb and the Word of my testimony, Revelation tells me. My testimony is this, and nobody can take your testimony from you. My testimony is this. Jesus Christ has changed my life. Bottom line. And so we've got to be in the Word and let the Word continue to wash us and cleanse us and make us free and set us free. And we all have our battles. We all have a cross that maybe we have to bear. But Jesus came to wash us and set us free so that we will have no guilt. And now the good news, I think that's good news in itself, and now the good news is, he's come to give us a new name. He's come to give you a new name. Now, this is pretty cool. It might go from, you know, Fred to Barney, I don't know. 
But maybe it's not a radical change in name like that. I, that part I don't know. But I want you to think about this for a minute. With actors and actresses, they have what they are sometimes known as what, uh, a typecast. There are certain characters that seem like they can only play or act as a certain character. Okay? You take uh, Harrison Ford out of a certain role and he would flounder, but you put him in the right role and that's him. So if you want somebody to portray a certain character, say, yep, Harrison Ford could do that. Mel Gibson could do that. Okay? Nicolas Cage, he's kind of like all over the place. <laughs> Hit and miss, mostly miss seems like. But anyway, there are certain characters who that's who they are. You say, my wife's saying, where are you going with this one now? <laughs> All right. You, some of you have been typecast. You have been known as the guitar player. You've been known as the pretty one. You've been known as the rebellious one. You've been known as the, this, the, the dumb one. You've been known as the smart one. Okay. You've been known as the black sheep, okay? You, you've been typecast, and we tend to live up to the typecast, okay? Well, why can't you be as smart as your brother? Why can't you be, do as well in school as your sister? Why can't you behave more like you fill in the blanks? You know what I'm talking about because you've been there. That's typecast. But when we've been given a new name from the Lord Jesus Christ... You've got a new character. You don't have to live up to the typecast anymore. And that's part of the washing of the no guilt, but it's part of your new name. Your identity will be shaped and formed by whoever the most influ influential person in your life says you are. As a child, it could be a parent or a grandparent. Maybe it was a teacher. Teachers can make or break. You know, if, as a teacher, I say, you'll never amount to anything. You'll never get to college. And oftentimes people will live up to that low expectations. But if I say to somebody, you can rise above where your family is. You can rise above and you can succeed and you can do these things. Now you can raise somebody up. So your identity, again, will be shaped and formed by whoever the most influential person in your life says you are. For you... This morning, I hope that the most influential person in your life is Jesus Christ. God needs to be the most important voice. Again, let me say that. God needs to be the most important voice in your life. So when God says, you are my child, I know you by name, that should start to, to raise up some expectations and say, all right. Okay, not in a, oh, you know, look at me, and I'm pride, no, I'm not talking about pride, I'm just talking about confidence in that you are a child of the king. You understand me this morning? You are a child of the king. First John 3, 1 says, See what great love the Father has lavished upon us that we should be called children of God. That's pretty special. That makes you pretty important this morning, folks. That's not... I don't know if you're supposed to say this word in church, but it does not make you a peon. Okay? You're, you're rising above that. You are a child of the king. You are my children, he says. So the white stone then had a special meaning in ancient Greece. The stone's inscription gives the believer a new name. 
I always, when I preach this, I always, my mind always goes to that one hymn. There's a new name written down in glory, and it's mine, and it's mine. Okay, some of you know the, the, old, the old hymn. There's a new name written down in glory. Um, so the stone's inscription gives the believer a new name, indicating acceptance by God and his title to glory. I want you to think about a few Bible characters for a moment. First one that I've got written down here is a guy named Abram. Abram means high father. That didn't seem like too bad a name to begin with. But God changed his name to uh, Abraham, meaning father of many. Father of many, I don't have any children. God saw something in that, I can't even say young man, God saw something in that old man. And he changed his name. He says, you will, uh, your descendants will be so great, they'll be greater than the, the sand on the seashore. Okay? So God saw something there. There was a uh, lady named Sarah, I, I'm, I hope I don't mispronounce her name. I call it Sarai, S-A-R-A-I, uh, which meant contentious one. Ooh, that sounds like somebody you want to marry, huh, guys? <laughs> Two, but he changed her name to Sarah, meaning princess. Woo, how'd you like that name change, ladies? Huh? Wouldn't you like to be daddy's little princess? I think you are to God the Father. You're his princess. All right, another, another guy in the Old Testament, his name was Jacob. It meant supplanter. I meant, what? That's what I did. And I went, what is that supposed to mean, supplanter? Well, it means to take the place of another as through force, scheming, strategy, or the like. Yeah, that was Jacob. Okay? He stole his brother, brother's birthright. He bought him out for a bowl of soup. Are you kidding me? Okay? When, when the twins were born, he was hanging on to his foot. He was going to get his way one way or another. Okay? So they named him supplanter. Jacob, anyway. Oh, but here's the good news. I like this little story. He gets a name change, but I, I had to go back and look at the name change. This is pretty cool. Jacob was left alone, and a man wrestled with him until the breaking of day. Now, when he saw that he did not prevail against him, he touched the hip of his socket, and the socket of Jacob's hip was out of joint as he wrestled with him. And he said, let me go for the day breaks. Okay? They're in this wrestling match. Jacob will not let go of this man. Okay? He says, I'm not going to let you go unless you bless me. Yeah. What do you want me to bless you with? How about money? Solomon, yeah, you know, smart, make him smart, whatever. All kinds of things he could have blessed him with. What do you want? More cows, more sheep, you know, new car, Lincoln. I don't know how to fill it up with gas back then, but, um, you know, I will not let you go unless you bless me. And so the man replies to him, what is your name? Jacob. The blessing is a new name. And he said, your name shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel. And Israel means having power with God. Whew. That's quite a name change. That's a good name change. You, your name shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel, for you have struggled with God and with men and have prevailed. Man, when you're in God and he changes your name, you're something new. You're something special. You're new creation in Jesus Christ, it says. You are not the old typecast person that people have placed upon you. You're now somebody special. That's what God wants to do for you. Simon's name, 
Simon to Peter. Simon meant God has heard. Um, and Peter meant the rock. Okay, That's pretty cool. I could go into more about that, but we'll move along. Um, Saul, the, the, the apostle Paul, originally was Saul. It meant asked for. I'm assuming his mother asked for a child. I don't know all the details in that one, but asked for. And it became small and humble. I never thought about Paul as small and humble. Not, not that he was arrogant, don't get me wrong, but I see a magnificent man of God. But what did God rename him? Small and humble. I think there's probably a whole sermon in that one alone. God, and here's the good news for you. God calls you friend. John 15 says, you are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his father's business. Indeed, I have called you friends for everything that I have learned from my Father, I have made known to you. You're no longer servants of the Lord Jesus Christ. Oh, you can serve him, don't get me wrong, but he calls you friend. He's not the guy in the sky, he's not the man upstairs, as some people call him. Okay? He's your friend. Holy cow, the God of the universe who spoke into existence all that we can even begin to see. He is my friend. You know what a true friend does? He lays his life down for his friends, for his brothers. And that's what he did for you and I. He laid his life down on the cross. But it, to me, it even goes beyond that, if that's possible. I don't want to minimize at all what he did on the cross, but he lays down his life for you and I. A true friend is one that sticks with you. My wife and I have been married for 33 years. I know we, <laughs> but but not and we, you know, not every step of the way is always easy. But we're there for each other, okay. And if you've been married for any amount of time, you know what I'm talking about. But a true friend, if your spouse is truly your friend, they're with they're with you. Or maybe you've had uh, somebody else on earth that's been your friend, and they walk with you, they stand with you, they support you, they they'll they'll go with you. That's a true friend. And Jesus is much more than that because in our own humanity, we sometimes fail. You get, you get what I'm saying this morning? Jesus is a, he's calling you friend and he goes way beyond that. You are my friends. Wow. That's good news this morning. Can you say amen? amen. Romans 8.15 says, For you did not receive a spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by by whom we cry out, Abba, Father, Daddy, dear. God is our Father. And if God is our Father, it not only says it there, but in Luke, God is our Father. He wants to give you the kingdom. He wants to give you good gifts. My, my kids come up and they ask for the car keys. What right do they have to ask me? Because they're my children. If your kids come and ask me for the car keys, I'll go say, see your dad. Okay? But my children can ask me for the car keys. I'll tell them to put gas in it. <laughs> Just kidding. But they can do that because they are my children. And that's what God wants to do for you. We've got two marriages coming up this year. One in August with Beth and Andy. Another one in December with Matt and Jennifer. And some things will happen on that day. You know, when I got married, one of the things, again, this is my little brain thinking way back 33 years ago. You walk into the church, you're not married. You walk out of the church, 
you're married. It was like, that little ceremony changed my whole life. And that'll happen to you guys here in a couple months and you guys in a few. Right now, the girls are under my authority. I don't care how old they are, they're still under dad's authority. But they walk into that church, they're going to take on a new name. It'll no longer be Bethany Wolford. It'll be Bethany Peters. She'll take on the name of Peters. She'll take on the authority of her husband. I hand my authority over to the husband. And the same thing will happen with you guys in December. There's a new name. And that's what's happened to us. You are under a new name now. You're under the name in the blood of Jesus Christ. Boy, that's good news for us this morning. And so the third and final thing. There's no guilt. We've got a new name. And now we are overcomers. The white stones sometimes... I think I lost... There it is. Don't want to lose my white stone. I'm going to write my name on this thing. Sometimes white stones were given to people who competed in the Olympics back then. Now... The Olympics back then, they would, uh, maybe you've seen the pictures, but they would get those leafy wreath things, whatever, on their heads. Those things would die and wither and you could throw them away. But sometimes they'd give them the white stone and they'd put their name on it. And they could take that white stone. That was their ticket to like special meals and banquets. Mm. Woohoo! You know, kind of like the keys to the city, as we would say now, right? Yeah. Okay? And that's what was done. And so it made them overcomers. They could go places that other people could not. And I believe that that's what God has done for us. He wants us to be overcomers. Um, Romans 8.37 says, In all these things we are more than conquerors who him who loved us. We are more than conquerors because of the blood of Jesus Christ. We can continue to move forward. Uh, Another verse says, Then I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, Now the salvation and the power and the kingdom of God and the authority of his Christ have come. For the accuser of our brethren has been thrown down. He who accuses them before our God day and night. And they overcame because of the blood of the Lamb and because of the word of their testimony. We're made overcomers. Jesus came to give us supernatural victory. And we read our starting scripture today from Revelation chapter 2. To him that overcometh, I will give a white stone. He wants you to be an overcomer. And again, folks, it doesn't come from our own selves and how good we are. It comes through the power and the residing of the Holy Spirit in our lives. The Holy Spirit was given so that we would have power to live victorious lives for him. That's God's impartation. God's seal, it says in another place, where he says, I am your father. You are my child. I have adopted you. You are my children. Take my spirit with you and be an overcomer. Be salt. Be light to the earth and to those that are around. We are ambassadors of the Lord Jesus Christ. I like this analogy. I always got to bring up certain uh, sport things. Here's my baseball one for the day. Okay? I like the Cleveland Indians. I know Clyde and I are the only two in New York State, probably. <laughs> the whole world feels like it sometimes. Any Yankees fans? <laughs> All right, a few of you. All right. So, I want you to think about this. When you put on a baseball jersey and you have Indians on the front, I said Indians on the front, Andy. <laughs> okay, you are taking on the name of the team. 
You know, I've seen years past when a guy like Johnny Damon had hair down to here, he put on a Yankees jersey, he had to get his hair cut first because you're taking on the name of the team. Okay? Our team, our baseball team that we are a part of, if you will, is Jesus Christ. Man, that brings a whole pretty cool stuff right there. I'm part of the team. Woohoo! Okay? Now, something else kind of neat, I think, but on the back of the jersey is the name Wolford. My jersey. Yours is different. Yours is Moden. Okay? Yours is Pool. That's on the back. When we're raising our children, we tell them we are part of Team Jesus. But you're also the household of Wolford. Wolfords do this. Wolfords don't do this. Okay? We represent something by the name. And that what we represent is Team Jesus, and we walk in the power and the strength of the Holy Spirit, the best of our abilities to follow him, and that makes us Team your name. We are ambassadors. We're ambassadors of the Lord Jesus Christ. <clears throat> There were uh, two hunters for you, Andy. There were two hunters here walking through the forest looking for a deer when all of a sudden a giant bear jumps out and scares them pretty bad. And they drop their guns and run like crazy. Now, if it was my daughter, she'd have been blasting away. But these two guys got pretty scared and they're, they're running away. Okay, they drop their guns, they're running. One of the hunters stops, he opens up his backpack, and he's lacing up a pair of running shoes. A pair of running shoes? What in the world is this guy doing? He thinks he's going to outrun a bear? And his buddy, that's what, he says, what, what do you think you're doing? Are you crazy? You can't outrun a bear. To this, the hunter replies, says, Oh, I don't have to outrun the bear. I only have to be able to outrun you. You got it. All right. We are overcomers. Okay? We're in a race. We need to finish the race, and we're going to do it through the power and the strength of the Holy Spirit and what God and Jesus Christ has done in our lives. So what things, then, do you need to overcome? Is it sin or lust? You're struggling with addiction. You're struggling in your marriage. You're struggling other areas of your life. Are you unable to live this Christian life? Are you able to measure up? Remember, I want you to remember this, that the white stone is not for losers and that through Jesus Christ you are more than a conqueror. Amen. Let me say that again. Through Jesus Christ you are more than a conqueror. What do you want from your life? What do you want it to be like? You want more of the same of what you've had? Or you want more. You want joy that will never diminish. You want a place of service that, that exalts Jesus. Lord Jesus wants to bless you with everlasting joy. And it will make this temporary sorrow feel like a fleeting vapor. He wants to change your life this morning. I believe that he also wants to be bestow, not a word we use a lot, but he wants to bestow enduring honor in a privileged place that will make the momentary shame inflicted by his enemies dissolve from your enemies. I'm going to ask the question this morning. Will you receive the white stone today? No guilt, new name, and now you're an overcomer. 
that's you, I'm going to ask you to stand right where you're at. Anybody this morning? Okay? No guilt, new name, now you're an overcomer. I've got, okay? There's two, so I only say that because you won't be alone if you stand. Okay. All right, Bill's coming up. If you want prayer, I will ask you to come for prayer, but otherwise we're going to pray right where you're at. Prayer team, I'm going to ask you to come at the, up to the altar, please. Church's prayer team, would you come down, please? If you have never asked Jesus Christ into your life and to forgive you of your sins, I'm going to ask you especially, please come up and pray. The rest of us, let's pray together, and then we're, Bill's got a song for us. But if you've never asked Jesus Christ into your life, you want that guilt removed, you want the new name, please step out, come forward, let these men pray with you. The rest of us, let's pray together. Our Heavenly Father, You know our heart's cries this morning. Lord, you know where each and every one of us is. Lord, you know the thoughts that go through our minds. Lord, you know the struggles of life that we have. Lord, you know the struggle maybe with temptation. Lord, you know the guilt that maybe we carry with us. Lord, you know the shame that we carry with us. Lord, I, I believe according to your word, that you want to remove all of those things from us. And I pray this morning that you would wash this morning, wash minds with your word. Lord, you would wash hearts and make them, turn them from stone to hearts of flesh, those that are, that are soft before you. Lord, those that would be receptive to your Holy Spirit. So Lord, make us clean today. Lord, give us those new names. Lord, help us to be overcomers in our lives. Holy Spirit, do your work for us and through us, in us. Cleanse us. Make us whole. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah.